Hello and welcome to Podcasters on Purpose. This is Debbie Aday, your host, and today I'm really excited to share with you Wade Galtz. Wade helps people create the life, lifestyle, and legacy they most desire. Four Day Workweek Academy was founded with the goal of inspiring 4,444,444 people to implement a four day work week. Pulling from 15 years experience as a productive employee and over 15 years as a software company founder and owner, corporate consultant, sales process implementation coach, accountability expert, recruiter of superstar talent, provider of mental health counseling, psychology services, life coach, and four-day entrepreneur, Wade teaches others to create the life they most desire personally and professionally. Employees, entrepreneurs, and business owners seek his help to create a sustainable four-day workweek lifestyle. Others benefit from the personal growth insights in Wade's books on life coaching, parenting, and spirituality. Insurance agency owners follow his strategies for sales process implementation, plus recruiting and accountability enforcement. Wade has a bachelor's degree in marketing from Auburn University, a master's degree in mental health counseling psychology from Nova Southeastern University, and has earned the CLU and CPCU professional insurance industry designation. He is also successfully qualified to be a certified integrative life coach with the Ford Institute. Wade is married and lives happily with his wife, two children, and dog in Florida. He is a dear friend and I'm real excited to share him with you on the show today. So welcome to the show, Wade. Thank you. I did not realize how narcissistic that <laughs> sounds when it's that long. It's great. I've done a few things, but yes, thank you for reading that. God bless you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I love the 4,444,444 people. Uh, that you're going to be helping yes. implement the four-day work week. I think that's fantastic. And obviously your show is the four-day four day work week. Exactly. So it all fits. So here to four, <laughs> we've read the bio. Okay. So welcome to this show. I'm really excited to talk about your journey because I've had the the beautiful opportunity to get to witness it, which has been a real delight and pleasure and treat for me. And I'm excited to talk about how you've created your show in the on the show today. So I'd love to talk a little bit about why you started podcasting and what that journey was like for you. Sure. So first of all, you've been tremendously helpful in doing this and making this happen. So I had been introduced to the concept of podcasting maybe about 10 years before I met you and had taken a couple courses, tried to implement it on my own. And because I have that shiny object syndrome, really couldn't focus and get it done. And, and you certainly helped me with that. So thank you. For me, it's been about just communicating a message to let people know that something is possible. When I would talk to people about the idea of working a four-day work week or simply working less hours and enjoying life and making enough money, there seems to be in many people this very polar belief that either you make money or you enjoy your life. And even saw a Facebook post once by a famous billionaire, how you had to choose between two or three of these things out of five. And my experience has simply not been that. I've worked with successful entrepreneurs for 30 plus years. I've been a successful entrepreneur for over 20 years. And there's just so much that's possible if you set your mind to it. The same way if an entrepreneur decides that they want to make double the income, well, nobody seems to question that. But if someone says, I want to work half the time, oh no, well, that's not possible. Well, why not? So for me, so much of this has been about helping people understand that there is a path, there is a way for you to tap into different parts of your life. And some of those involve work, and that's awesome. But there's also other things going on on the planet and in the world that might not involve the work you're doing. And so much of life and what's great about life is being able to explore those. So that's been my main focus and really aiming to reach people 
who are successful, who are high achievers, and help them realize they don't have to choose between having a life and also, you know, making an impact and making an income. That's so awesome. And, you know, so Wade has been a student of mine in my podcast on purpose, Online Academy, and I've actually become a student of his. <laughs> Watching his work has been really inspirational to me. And I've been working on implementing my own four-day work week. I think there's something when you're when you have your life as an entrepreneur and you're really, you know, you're working all the time, it's tough to figure out what your hours are and when you set things down and setting the parameters in which to fill up, you know, your life in addition to a lot of the things that you're creating and the business that you're doing. And so the four-day work week has been great for me because it's kind of been a forced break <laughs> in the normal flow of life. So I'm really grateful for that. And I love that you have created your show around that as well. So you're doing obviously a video style podcast. So can you speak a little bit about how you've kind of set that up and what that has looked like? I know you're celebrating your 52nd episode. So happy anniversary to you. Thank you. Yeah. So first of all, my family is rather vain <laughs> from my dad's side. So it had to be a video podcast, had to see myself. <laughs> and actually just, I've done well in front of camera. I've always enjoyed doing that. And like I would imagine many entrepreneurs, I'm kind of better freestyle or without a lot of notes. I like an outline of two or three key things and I just like to be wound up and go. And so initially I was struggling with, well, how would I fit this in? And I remember, you know, just talking with different people about entrepreneurship over the years and I was like, well, what should it be like? And some of the best teachers I've had, there's been this theme of, well, what do you want it to be like? And I thought, okay, well, I'm good in front of a camera, or at least people tell me so. And I know I can communicate a certain message. And I certainly know as an entrepreneur, a lot of the times, especially if the message is concise, five, 10, 15 minutes tops, then that can be very powerful, which is different than an interview format, which I'm going to be delving into. But at first, I really wanted to establish that I know what I'm talking about in this field. Because sometimes I've watched podcasts where the host is putting all this energy in hosting a podcast and their guests look awesome. And then you wonder, does the host know anything? Because the host is such a good interviewer that they forget to in some way inject their wisdom and whatnot. And for me, being in front of a camera is something that people really seem to, to believe and they can look you in the eye and see what you're communicating, that what you're saying is real. And I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years now. And so for me, I wanted to be able to reach as many platforms as possible, get as much done in one shot, if you will. And so for me, being able to do a video podcast where I could put it on you know video channels like YouTube and Vimeo and that sort of stuff and have the audio part and have the transcriptions, that whole concept of turning it into multiple forms of media appealed to me very much. And so I built a team around that, a virtual team that helps me do that to the point where I simply need to record the videos now and get them to them. And, and for me, there's just so much. Some people prefer video. Great. They can see me on video. And sometimes I'll have PowerPoint slides. Sometimes it's just me talking. And it's just challenged me to, to do things different ways, but really just feeling comfortable enough to put something out that I know is going to add value and especially in the long run is going to be an asset that's just there for such a long time. And for me, that was the reason to be able to have it available in so many formats and start and say, well, why would I want to turn it into a video? Just start with video and then let everything kind of flow from there. I love that. And I, and I love how you kind of chose based upon who you are, you know, how you wanted to do it. Now, for the podcast itself, you're only putting the audio, correct, on Libsyn and posting that out, but you're using the video on other platforms? That is correct. So I will have the audio only on Libsyn 
On YouTube, I'll have the video. On my blog, we'll have the video embed with the transcription of it below it. So I'm hitting you know, multiple channels with one effort. And so I can record in about a four-hour period. I can record four or five of my episodes, and that includes the setup and downtime and everything, and get them to my team and have that be taken care of. So in, in about a half a day, I can do a month's worth of podcasts. And there's certainly more I want to learn. I'm by no means a master yet. But for that format of the solo show in front of a camera, either with sometimes I use a white screen behind me or sometimes I'll use a TV with a PowerPoint with a very simple message or a few points because, of course, you don't want the fonts too small or anything like that. To be able to do that, I've really gotten a, a handle on that. And then also if there might be sometimes a download with it that, again, can lead to the op in or something that helps the person go deep with me. So if they're already getting into subscribing with me, that I feel like I've really gotten down pat and a lot with your help of just trying to keep it simple, not making it too elegant. I remember in talking with you, I had like 20 different ideas and you know, you challenged me, well, wait, just do one or two. And that for me has been huge because it's not always a perfect thing and it doesn't always work exactly the way you want it to. Yeah. Done is better than perfect, right? <laughs> Amen. Well, and I love how you just got, you just decided and you went for it. That's fantastic. And so you're talking a lot about, too about your team. So can we talk about how you've developed that as well? Because I know one of the things that we've talked a lot about too is focusing on what your passion is and your gift in the podcast too, and then outsourcing the rest. So can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. So a long time ago, I was able to get over the fact that I could do things as well as other people. I'm very comfortable delegating. It Sometimes people are not as good at that. I think some of the technology, like the sites with Odesk or Upwork, because I could see ratings of people and I knew I wasn't just throwing money away, really helped me. So I've worked with Upwork or Odesk, it used to be called, for years, hiring outside virtual assistants. And basically, my process has always been, well, I've got to be able to do it first. I don't like to hand off anything I can't do. I've done that in my software business before, and then the software program was nowhere to be found. So I, I, I always think, and I've heard some teachers say this, you should at least learn your process first, then you delegate it. Because if you just delegate it, you can get price gouged. There's so many things that can happen that aren't so good. But I learned my process and then very quickly got a gentleman who does the video editing for me and the audio editing. So it takes the video, edits it, puts on, converts it to an audio, puts the audio bumpers on it. I don't put the audio bumpers on the video because the video just goes like to YouTube or Vimeo. The audio version of it has the audio bumpers. And he does that and exports that for me. So I send him the raw audio. He puts it in a Dropbox folder. And then from there, another virtual assistant. And that's, gosh, it's so, that's such an understatement for who these are because they're professionals. Another one of my professionals that I work with helps me, and it's not my, I don't have possession of her. She works with me. It's kind of weird, all these different <laughs> things, make three things, right? But anyway, uh, Marion helps me with simply making sure that the video is, and the transcriptions are done well. So She'll submit it through rev.com to get the transcriptions because in my case, with a shorter form, I currently have about an eight to 15 minute podcast. I have no problem paying the, what, the buck per minute for on rev.com or if it was a longer one, I'm not sure if I would do that just from a cost standpoint, but she'll have that transcribed and she will help produce the blog post for my webpage and the links that go that we kind of came up with a template around that with a video on it and links to downloads and you know, other different pieces into my Instagram site and whatnot. So she'll do that. And recently, actually, and she does that. She does the posting to my podcast on my Libsyn. 
She does the Instagram post, the Facebook post, creating some of them and then posting them on through Iconosquare. Sometimes we use Hootsuite. We're starting to use Meet Edgar again for some of the social media stuff. But basically, it really is kind of a one and done. Marion takes some of my best quotes out of it and turns those into quote cards or, or quotes for Instagram and whatnot. And then she also helps post it onto my LinkedIn. Uh, she's ridiculously awesome. So there's a lot of that that's going on. And now she has helped me with a new team member we have who is helping now, again, as Marion's gotten great at things because her passion is literature. She has a master's degree in education. So she loves doing the editing and she also loves learning new things. But as she masters stuff, then she hands them off to Leah, who's another team member who's helping now just do some of the more stuff that we've gotten down pat. And now Leah's doing the images. So, so much of this is something that I really, I have to admit a year and a half ago, I had that arrogance that, well, you know, I'm going to do it better than anybody else. So I'm going to do it so much better. And it's so cool to not just say it as, as kind of a nice thing to say, to not be a, I don't know, like an idiot guy <laughs> that thinks you do everything better than everybody else, but to actually see they do a better job than I do with this, but I have to do what I do. And it actually steps up more of the pressure on me in a good way to say, okay, well, your content's got to be awesome because then they've got to be quotes that are meaningful enough for them to pull out. And when they put images to them, and of course, I'm investing in them doing this. So this is not just a purely free thing. But in my case, I prefer to, I have other coaching work that I do and other sources of income that I can simply generate more per hour and then afford that type of help. And they, again, do a better job of it than I do. And I've definitely learned something. If you're, especially if you're a jackass guy like I am at times, and you think you're so damn smart at everything, I promise you there are people who can do it better than you <laughs> and quicker than you. And that is such a key. And even if you have to work two or three hours doing something you don't love to pay, I mean, assuming it's ethical and <laughs> doesn't, you know, whatever, just normal stuff, nothing weird. Don't tell me I told you to do anything weird. But to help somebody not only create employment for somebody else, which to me, I think is such a sacred vocation. I think people miss that to be able to help create opportunity and share opportunity with other people, but also to say, look, I'm not great at that. I'm really good or, or at least marginally better than average at this one thing. And let me get people to help me who are also entrepreneurs. A lot of the, you know, these freelancers, they're entrepreneurs. They're not employees. And for me, nothing against employees, but there's a huge distinction there when somebody's decided to set up their own shop and do their own thing. So all these people, whether it be on Upwork or some of them have started their own gigs and I've sort of helped them. It's so much nicer to see somebody else that's a fellow entrepreneur, even if they're quote unquote at a lower level than I am financially or, or time-wise or chronologically, that they have so much skin in the game. And so there's the quality that comes from it. And it's, gosh, it's such a beautiful thing. It's almost like being a parent in a different way, entrepreneurially speaking, much easier than being a parent of real children, but still uh, something that's very cool to share that with people and get the help for people that are just as excited about your success as you are, because they do have skin in the game and they want to see it grow. And I've always talked with my freelancers about as this grows, the more I'm going to share the opportunity with them. Initially, yes, I pay you in an hourly way, but as you share ideas with me as my freelancers, and again, not mine, but the freelancers that work with me, and as you help me do different things, great, whatever I can do to share the opportunity. If you help me make an insight, if you help me improve it, and all of a sudden, you know, so I, I have those types of conversations that look, we're in this together. And if you help me make this awesome, that's great. And I'm going to help you grow your business, by the way, to any of the freelancers that work with me. And if that means you outgrow me, then you outgrow me. Good. Then I've, I've done my job. And I think that's sometimes even scary for us, but especially if you're any type of coach, some of your clients, you know, I feel should be doing way better than you. You're almost jealous. Like, wow, how did they, I, I taught them that? And then they did that. And, you know, <laughs> but that's just been an awesome thing. And the team I've worked with, and it's taken a while, you definitely have to kiss some frogs and you have to find some people that don't work out. You have to be willing to fire people immediately, but I'll always start them out with 
like a $25 project, something that I know I can throw, I can afford to throw away. I don't want to throw away 25 bucks, but I can afford to lose it. And then I just kind of build from there and just slowly give them more and more to where then I'm not having to be involved. First, it's the mechanical stuff, then eventually giving them the stuff where they do more of the thinking, if you will. And I rely on their judgment as opposed to more mechanical stuff. And then you just always have to watch out for technology. In certain parts of the world, people don't have the technology or the bandwidth to perhaps upload videos. So you might still have one of your team members in a simply a more abundant area where internet speeds are better, do some tasks, or you might have to do some tasks where you still hold on them. So it's just, it's a practical thing, but the freelancers I work with save me at least 20 to 30 to 40 hours per month when I'm really going just with off of one podcast show and I have plans for more. So I really couldn't do without them. It's not a cliche. Yeah. So, and I love how you develop your team. Like you really are developing even skill sets for them. Like as you go, you were talking about how you've been kind of teaching the system to, you know, the woman that you work with as well and like helping develop her into having her own setup herself. I love how even working with someone else, you're developing them into their next level, right? I think that's beautiful. Yes. I'm very much so, in Marion's case, Marion is brilliant. She comes from a literature background and she and I share this common thing. You know, I come from a psych background, but that's not always going to be what makes the biggest impact and, and literature might be appreciated, but it might not always pay the bills in the best way and whatnot. And she's a very creative person. And so what I've done is, and just in a very open-ended way, say, hey, look, let me, you know, first of all, obviously I need you to do what I'm paying you to do. And that, you know, said in a respectful way, but that, that's so clear when you're dealing with adults, that's, that's a given. <laughs> but then also to say, look, let's see, where do you want to go? Do you want to start your own business? Do you want to just get better at this? Do you just want to make more per hour? Do you want to, and watching her develop has been a challenge for me to coach her better and to be a better coach. And, and whether you, by the way, everybody on some level, you're a coach. If you have a parent, if you have kids, you're a coach. If you have a friend, you're a coach. So it's, it's sometimes an overused word, but there's a lot of truth to it. So in watching her develop, so now she's become much more skilled at communicating with Leah, our newest team member, to hand stuff to Leah. And then now, and I've invited slash challenged Marion to say, hey, let's get you starting your business. And if you want to, let's have you do your program where you teach people how you do what you do. Because there's so many things she does for me, she's brilliant at. And so in that sense, I very much have so much in a good way, I believe, vested in helping her be as successful as she wants to be without pushing her. I don't I have no agenda. If she doesn't, you know, if she's happy helping me do what I do for a long period of time, awesome. But I'm not scared of losing her, quote unquote, as a team member. There's a saying I've learned years ago, you know, you'd rather have great people and lose them than have horrible people and, and keep them. So I'm always looking for how can I, as if they were one of my coaching clients, how can I help them develop and be better? Because then again, I know selfishly, I know they'll be committed to what I'm up to rather than viewing me as a boss who's simply only focused on his own situation. Beautiful. And so how much, if you don't mind my asking, how much of an investment would you say if someone's listening and they're like, wow, I'd love to have team, but <laughs> like, sure. how much would they be looking at if they wanted to set up that type of scenario? Okay. So great question. So a couple things. First of all, you have to start with your budget, not with what you want them to do or you'll get burned. I've done it both ways and ended up with a big bill and that look on my wife's face, like, what the heck did you just do? <laughs> because if you believe in your podcast, you believe it's going to take off and kick button, take names. And that still might take a year or two or three or any business for that matter. 
So definitely don't get over optimistic. To me, you need to invest an amount of money where you say, okay, I know I can bill out. I'll use a hundred as a round number. If I can bill out a hundred dollars an hour and I'm willing to work one extra hour per week to, to hustle that hour, even if I have to stir up business, not my existing clients, this is now extra expense, but I'll hustle that extra hundred bucks an hour so that I can invest a hundred bucks. So 400 bucks a month, let's say in the team or whatever. And that doesn't have to be that number, whatever the number is, but choose your budget, something you know you can hustle that's not going to affect your relationships. I mean, genuinely, it sounds almost funnier. If you've not yet wasted an amount of money that your spouse or your loved one looks at you like, what the heck did you just do? You probably haven't been an entrepreneur for a very long time <laughs> because you, know, you get to look like you bought what? It's like Jack and the Beanstalk. But being able to say, okay, so here's my budget that I'm willing to go do work that I might not even like. And again, ethical, moral, you know, again, nothing weird, but stuff that, you know, maybe it bores me, but I'm good at it. So that I can earn it and then say, okay, that's going to buy me 10, 20 hours of somebody else who's talented doing something that I simply can't get to. And so usually you'll find in freelancers, there's different sort of price ranges. There's the zero to $5 price range, which you've got to be really skilled at to find somebody in there who is worth the three to five bucks an hour. There's the five to $10 an hour range, which again, can be a little easier, but it's trade-off. Obviously, you'd love to have somebody who costs less, but it's important in my opinion to remember that there's a person on the other end of it and they have dreams and hopes. And so that has to be part of your process that wherever they are, you take them to a higher level and or at least so you're trying to, they help you that you help them. And then there's that sort of 15 to 20 to 25 down our level. And a lot of this will depend on geography because of their, you know, their expenses. If they're in Europe, it might be that they need, or in the U S they need 15 to 20, 25 bucks an hour to do a task or more. Whereas if they're in another part of the, of the world, maybe not as much, but I, I used to get hung up on that a lot. I don't. I do realize there's certain different economies. I know that I can afford a certain amount. And if a person's awesome, I'll continue to help them see a path. So I'll map out a progress where I'll say, here's where you're worth. I'll use an example, three bucks an hour. And once you can do this, you're worth four bucks an hour. Once you, you're five bucks an hour. And again, I'm not commenting on, on their value as a human being, what I can afford to pay them. And so in a very simple way, I like to map out a, a progress where they can at least see their next two or three moves that they'll be earning their income. And I'll just say, look, from there, you know, I'm giving you tasks that don't yet give me money. When the tasks you do start turning into me making sales, then now things start to open up and I can get a little more creative. But initially, I have a budget where, again, remember, I'm doing that extra work to pay for you. And so you can start with as little as 100 bucks a month. By the way, any new person, kind of a rule of thumb, don't have any new freelancer you don't know ever do more than five hours of work per week. Because until you know them, five hours becomes 20 hours very quickly and you're paying for it and they still might not have done stuff before you catch it. So, you know, five to 10 hour, an hour person could be 25 to 50 bucks a week and nothing says it has to be a week. It could be a month, whatever. But start something, be very clear about what the task is, be just so unbelievably descriptive that it's so clear what it is so that if they fail, you don't keep working with them. And again, for the first project, usually I like a two- to a four or five hour projects. If it's a $5 an hour person, and again, or a task, then okay, great. And I'll tell them, I want you to invest no more than five hours to do this specific task and then send back to me. And you can invest five hours or less, just let me know. And it's not that I'm trying to get them to, to underbid themselves. I want to know what did it actually take them? Are they quick? Are they not quick? Are they over quick? And then do poor work. Do they take the five hours, but they did an awesome job? Great, whatever it is. And then from there, kind of build that relationship and then slowly loosen the restrictions. So for example, on Upwork, you know, how many hours they're allowed to bill. 
I want to keep that as tight as possible just because it's, it's a headache to try to have to ask for money back if you don't have to, you know, to dispute stuff and all that stuff. I want to avoid that as much as I can. I like to be clear up front and tighter and then, you know, loosen the reins as things go. Yeah, and just to be clear, the 3 to 4 to $5 an hour would be literally like someone in another country where the power of the dollar is worth more, right? So... Okay. Absolutely. So a very, and thank sure. you for clarifying <laughs> that for the, yeah, you, you and I are familiar yeah. with that conversation, but yeah. So for example, to be really clear, I'm happy. I was raised in first world. My life is good. I want to share abundance with people. I totally believe in abundance. I'm not looking to take advantage of people. So when I looked at different markets, I started looking around. So for example, the Philippines is a market that I've done very well with and seems to work well with my style of how I operate. And I know at least according to the research I've done as best as I can. The average monthly income in the Philippines is about $250 a month. And even though in some, some of the cities, the average rent might be about 240 a month. So let's even call it 500 bucks a month. Person in the Philippines is doing well. I want them to do even better. And let's be really clear. I'm not withholding my big piggy bank of a billion dollars. I don't have the billion dollars. When I have the billion dollars, I at least share more of it. I want to share more of it. I 10 trillion percent believe in it. And I've had issues with this. But at the end of the day, when a person's in a market where Honestly, they're not as caught up with some of the trinkets and nonsense we're caught up in some of the first world countries, and they can have a good life at 500 bucks a month if in 40 hours a month, I can help them make more than half of their income. I'm feeling like, let's say, eight to 10 bucks an hour or even five bucks an hour. I'm not feeling, so again, this is very in line with my conscience, and I want them to be worth more and to be 10 trillion percent clear. If I have a person in the Philippines that can do exactly what a person in the US will do, I'll pay them the same amount. At least for me, I'm so in tight with my conscience on that. But like anybody else, if I can get a result, if I could never afford the help in the first place, because some people say, wait, why don't you just hire everybody from the US? Well, because I'm from the US, I live in the US, actually I'm from Canada. I don't believe the US is better or worse than anybody else. I believe there's opportunity everywhere. I want the whole world to be abundant because, by the way, if you want immigration to stop, in my opinion, have everybody be abundant. Then people won't all be running to one place <laughs> to be abundant. It'll be everywhere. And so from that perspective, I don't have a prejudice around that. Certain people want certain level income jobs. And when I can afford to, great. But in the meanwhile, I do have a budget. I do have to be realistic. And in this whole venture, as you and I both know, my core goal is not the freelancer. My core goal is my end audience. So my freelancer not in any mean way, but is a person that's helping me get there. But if the cost of them is prohibitive to me getting there, I still have constraints. There's still math involved as as woo-woo as I want to be and as lovey-dovey, there's still math. And I try not to argue with math because math kicks my butt uh, 100% of the time. (laughs) So what would you say is a good point for someone to like, because you've obviously, you've been through the trajectory this year from no show to year anniversary with 52, right? What would you say is the point at which someone might want to consider adding team to the equation? Okay, cool. So a couple of details, and you might not even know this, I forget. So I've actually produced 52 weekly episodes in 18 months. So I've had some downtime. Oh, it's okay. not what I was aiming Good for. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. No, and, and again, it wasn't what I was aiming for. And so in the middle of this, as my type A, oh God, everything has to be perfect voice keeps going on. Ironically, wait, four-day work week is the goal. The podcast must be out or, or, or is it just you know, to live in this certain way? Now, admittedly, when you're smaller and you have less people showing up, some people freak out like, oh my God, I need to build quicker. And I was like, well, hey, that's less people that really are going to be okay if my podcast doesn't make it this week. And that's, <laughs> I'm not trying to put myself down. I was just like, okay, it's kind of like letting myself off. Again, it's meant to be fun. I mean, if it's not going to be fun, I'm not, I mean, there's plenty of things I can do as a mercenary that'll, that might make more money. I think this will be awesome for me. So 
for me, first of all, is I was going to have fun with it. And I've always decided that if I'm not going to have fun with it, I don't want this to be a job for me. This is meant to be fun and it has been fun for me. So I've allowed myself that. As far as bringing people on, so to be clear kind of where I am, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years or about to be 20 years, 19 and a half years, whatever it is, it's just easier to say 20 with a, a software business, a consulting business. So I have experience of budgeting and doing different things. And if you're coming from the brick and mortar world, I mean, gosh, this is so much easier. I mean, I've had team members where I'm committed to make sure I get them 50000 a year of income and whatnot. Hiring a freelancer is, is so different. And again, but if you don't have the money, you don't. So to me, what I started with very quickly was certain pieces that I knew once I had gotten my first five to 10 episodes down, I can't remember exactly where it was, where I had sort of set a template. And then I started looking to hire to, okay, I need this template replicated. So to be really clear, and I, I am admittedly a pain in the butt when it comes to creativity, I like to decide how I want it created. But then once I've got it 90% close enough, then my ego backs off a little where I'll say, okay, great. Let's have this person you know, help me with it for a while. And first, I like to make sure they can replicate what I do. And then once they can replicate it, I'll say, okay, great. Now make it better. Now put your art into it. I first need to make sure you can make it as good as mine is, whatever level that is. And then I've been blessed that the people I work with, I think because of it's the way also I set things up, once they've demonstrated, okay, wait, we can mimic what you do. Gosh, did you know we're creative too? Shocker, Wade, you're not the only one that's creative. <laughs> but again, it starts to come out because again, these are not employees. These are other entrepreneurs are saying, hey, Wade, it'd be so cool. Like they're passionate about their work. So first of all, if you hire a freelancer or or if you find an employee or if you meet a potential spouse and they're not excited, move on from all of them. <laughs> you know, just, it's, this should be awesome for them on some level, at least initially, because if there's no magic at the beginning, my gosh. So from that perspective, you know, it's your baby, but realistically, look, you're 52 episodes in. If one of your episodes stinks, it's not the end of the world. I had to get over that sometimes too of just, okay, I've committed to get a certain number of episodes out. In my case, I have a seasonal business that two months out of the year occupies my time. In my case, I'm also almost religiously committed to my four-day work week. Once in a while, I'll be off, but I like that. And I have, my kids are now 12 and 10. So I started when they were 10 and eight. That is far more important to me than my podcast. As much as I love my podcast, if my podcast costs me with my time with my kids, what? I wouldn't do it. You don't do so, your podcast over your children. <laughs> exa exactly. Sometimes I've had situations where it's like, and then you say, okay, Wade, you know, the X number of people, the 30 people this week are going to lose their, you know, no, they're going to be okay. They'll be all right. They'll miss me for a week. And uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder or something like that. Or if, as I tell my kids, friends, when they come over to play dates, if you don't leave and go home, we can't miss you. So you got to leave for a while and then we'll miss you and then you can come on back. <laughs> so that was probably the one thing I had to give myself that I don't know that it's a best practice for everybody because I think it depends on your temperament. Because if you could then say, oh, wait, I'll just let it go for three years. No, that's not a best practice. But in my case, I also kind of had to do it because, well, these eight weeks when I really make the majority of my income, that's when I make the majority of my income. If I don't do that, I can't play this game. So I, I have to honor that. But I pre pretty quickly had the help of Marion for about five to 10 hours a week. And then about for the first, maybe about 10 episodes in, and then about 30-ish or 35 episodes in or so, then Leah started helping us. So we're really now getting good at creating stuff and making things happen. So yeah. And so now I think my monthly budget for that one podcast still isn't much above maybe, maybe 600 bucks a month or something like that. And that's for four um, shows, so again, four video shows. 
and social. That's for four video shows, transcribed, social media quotes, managing my Iconosquare Instagram posts, my Facebook posts, my LinkedIn posts posted for me, all of that intelligently by really, really awesome people. And realistically, yes, once every three months, will something get behind by a week? Yeah, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. Some people lose their mind over it and then they lose good workers over that. They have a life too. I want them to have a life too. And plus, I'm off enough or I'm wrong enough. I've at least learned thanks to the help of life and marriage and kids <laughs> and everything. I don't lose my mind over if we miss a week. I just don't. It's not worth it. For me, that doesn't help me. I'm, there might be some people for whom that makes a big deal. Uh, for me, I don't, I don't lose my mind. Gotcha. Do you have any tips on how to do your podcast recording and production in a four-day workweek lifestyle? Absolutely. So I have a setup at my office where I happen to have bought in a bought in. There's a great word here. You take my <laughs> advice. I bought in something. I have a white projector screen that I had from years back. Otherwise, I would have purchased a large white background screen or whatever. So I have that. And sometimes I'll just talk in front of the white screen and I'll have the video camera with the white lights that project in, in a good way. And there's different people that have advice on how you can do that. But basically, sort of the standard standing in front of a screen, white screen, no background, almost kind of video. So you blend in like you're angelic or really bright or intelligent or something like that. And I've done that. Or sometimes I'll bring in, I have the about like a 53 inch TV on a cart that I can do my PowerPoint with that. And so I'll record it. I do use a high quality mic. I use a Sennheiser wireless mic. Uh, so it's like about six or $700 mic. That's probably the one thing since it's a remote connection, since I'm away from the mic in that case. But I use maybe a $300 camera that's HD that I purchased at Costco in one of these packages or something. So it's not too crazy. And, and I'm always looking to get better. I didn't start at the highest end. I would love to have higher end equipment, but it's good enough for me to demonstrate and for people to see that I know what I'm talking about. And from that, the audio quality is good enough that when the podcast comes out, the podcast audio is more than good enough. The YouTube quality video audio is more than good enough. And so from that perspective, maybe my whole studio set, if it costs maybe a little over a thousand bucks, 600 of it's the Sennheiser mics and then some of the lighting and stuff. So the toughest part is getting the dog to be quiet and, and the neighborhood to not say anything while I, while I record. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, and we can actually, I'll, I can post a podcast studio recommendations guide too that I have at the end of this episode for anyone who's looking for equipment. And we'll also in the show notes post uh, a link to this specific equipment that Wade just mentioned as well. So I'll have that in there for you. Wade, if you could leave the podcaster or podcaster to be with one piece of advice on their journey of podcasting, what would it be? Do it your way. So many people are so concerned with copying somebody else's style. And the problem with that is the minute you copy, people are like, oh, that's just like so-and-so's podcast. Mm -hmm. And this is not about being outlandish or crazy. See, I had to throw out an outlandish. That's a big fancy word <laughs> after not being able to say the word a while ago. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be attention-seeking. It doesn't have to be shock value. In fact, there's enough shock value out there. It doesn't have to be reality television, unless, of course, you're looking for it to be reality television, in which case, have fun. But for me, I see it as a 10-year journey. I'm committed to this topic. So when I look at year one and I look back how much I stressed over a particular episode, and I still already had a decent amount of perspective, I now look back and said, I can't even remember which episode that is. Mm -hmm. And in, in the overall body of work, if my episodes are good, I mean, any sitcom you watch, Seinfeld, Friends, whatever it might be, there's going to be some episodes that aren't that funny. Okay, whatever. 
but I'm looking at it as a long-term thing. So if it's not a long-term play for you, admittedly, podcast is a lot of work. If you're not in it for at least a year, there's sometimes quicker ways to doing it. But if you're in it and you believe in it, and I also know for me, I know I do have a legacy with this. If I never produced again, and if that show sat there, I still know there's people that can get value from it. And I could always repoint traffic to it or, or that sort of stuff. So a lot of people think, well, if I do a podcast, I have to do it forever. I don't know. I might reach season six, season seven. I mean, the best shows end after a while, unless you're a soap opera watcher, in, in which case they still end after a while. Luke and Laura have died like four and five times in the <laughs> hospital. Get over it. So again, it's for me, it's about you do it your way. And I mean, certainly follow best practices, see what works, but make it fun. Do it the way you want. And don't think just because somebody has a template that it's better than yours. There's got to be some room for creativity in there. Unless, of course, you record 52 episodes and have zero downloads, in which case something's, something's wrong. Awesome. And if the listener would like to get more of you and your podcast and your work, where would they go? Sure. Fourdayworkweek.com is the best place. So that's the number four, dayworkweek.com has the podcast, the blog, and you can even see some of the process of, you know, or the, at least the outputs of what we do with this. And yeah, it's, it's just been really fun. And I thank you so much for your help with this. And uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your podcast journey with our listeners and all sorts of great information too around the outsourcing piece. I think that's something that people really kind of question as well. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for helping me get this out there. And to be clear with people, there's a lot of great teachers out there. Debbie is one of a lot of the great teachers. The other people I bought my podcast programs from, good people, but there's something about having somebody be willing to walk through the journey with you. And it's not that these others weren't. Sometimes people are different stages or God knows what, but Debbie's been awesome. It's hard for me not to say, I mean, check out what Debbie does because Debbie has really helped me implement something as somebody who sees shiny objects and cats and squirrels and all these different things, having something a year and a half later now, having that I've got 52 episodes published, it sounded like it was easy. It's not easy. So having somebody that can walk through that journey with you, that's realistic and has your best interest at heart. That's pretty awesome. So thank you, Debbie, for being that, that person. Oh, for thank me. you, Wade. It's been my pleasure to get to share the journey with you and to support you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for inspiring me to have a four day work week. I'm still working on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my 50, 52 weeks in yet. <laughs> anyway, but it's coming. It's coming. And thank you so much for joining us today. If you're new or returning to the show and have not yet subscribed, please subscribe to receive the latest episodes as they're released. And if you love what you heard today, we'd love a great review too. Thanks so much for listening in. We'll see you next time on Podcasters on Purpose. Hey there, have you ever thought about creating your own podcast? If so, I'd love to support you with giving you a free guide on how you can create your studio and setup for your podcast. If you'd be interested in learning more about the microphone that I use, the headset that I use, the software that I use <laughs> to do these shows, I'd love to share that with you. You can go on over to podcastingonpurpose.com.